podcast which aims to root you in Christ through his word. Together, I'm your host, Charles Egwood. And today we are in Micah chapter 4, where we'll be looking at hope for those the Lord shows favor. And one thing I also wrote about this chapter is peace. The peace of God. You see, for three straight chapters, Micah has been pronouncing judgment on Israel and Judah. He's been pronouncing judgment for idol worship, moral corruptness of the whole country, and the failed corruption of the leaders, meaning they were corrupt. The, and that means the governmental leaders, the priests, and even the prophets were corrupt, and he calls them all out. He builds God's case for them that they are guilty and thus worthy of the judgment to come. Chapter 4 begins a shift in the thought of the book where it goes from judgment to future promise and hope, peace of restoration. You see, he does pronounce judgment. He will carry out his judgment. We know that Israel, the northern kingdom, is swept away to Assyria. And we know that Judah, the southern kingdom, is later swept away into Babylon because of their sin. Micah's judgment comes true because they continue in their debauchery. They continue in their corruption. And God carries through with his plan. But we also know that God's plan isn't total destruction. God has good plan for his people. He will judge sin, but he will redeem and bring back a remnant. So for the highlight, again, there's so many verses in chapter 4 you could pick. This is the one I picked. It's verses 6 through 7. They go together. That's why I picked two. And it goes like this. In that day, declares the Lord. I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those who I have afflicted. And the lame I will make the remnant and those who are cast off a strong nation. And the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this day forth and forevermore. I think it's obvious that that is a beautiful verse of future hope, future promise of restoration and redemption. So that's the highlight. Let's get into the explanation of this verse. Well, the word that day, I don't know if you've noticed, I always begin the explain by looking at phrases like that. When you're doing your Bible reading, you do well to find those phrases and look back or look at Look for what it talks about here. That day refers to the future day when God will redeem his people and build his kingdom. First, there will be an assembling and a gathering of those who were exiled and in in the exile to come. They haven't been exiled yet, but we do know the northern kingdom will be spread out. We know the southern kingdom taken to Babylon. It hasn't happened, and yet even though it has not yet happened in this point in history, meaning uh, the history that Mike is writing to, the people Mike is writing to, he's already promising redemption for what will happen. And we know as we look back in hindsight, we've seen a glimpse of that redemption through Jesus coming, and again with a further future promised redemption when he comes back again to fully establish the kingdom of God. And these themes begin to connect, but there is an assembling and a gathering involved in this Though God will afflict his people, 
it is not without redemptive hope, meaning God did not send Israel and Judah into exile out of spite. One, they were sinful. He was generationally patient. Over generations, he called them back and they ignored him generation after generation, and he finally did. He's slow to anger, but he will pull the trigger eventually if you don't repent. But he doesn't do it out of spite. He's not the father who comes in and spanks out of anger. But what he does is he hopes that there is a redemptive purpose to his punishment. And his redemptive person is the purpose is though he will spread them out. He will bring them back. It is a part of his plan. His judgment will get his people to look back to him and call out to him and live rightly and stop the corruption and stop the abuse that they were committing on their own people as well as some of the nations around them. So he, he afflicts, but with redemptive purpose. God's desire is to ultimately gather and bless his people. Though the power of God, or sorry, rather, through the power of God, the weak become strong, and these gathered people will be under the kingship of God. He doesn't just gather them away from the nations to figure it out themselves. He says, no, in that day, I will reign over them at Mount Zion, where he will sit on his throne, and he will reign not for a generation, but forevermore. And I love that word. It's beautiful. They will be under the kingship of God, and God's promised kingdom is forever, and that is something even today we can hope in. What a hope to get them through the dark days ahead, and what a hope to get us through the dark days that we will face, knowing this is not the end. When we see evil seemingly winning, we know that there will be a day it will be trampled and it will lose. All those who have committed unjust acts will be brought to justice and God will reign as our good king, not just for a time, but forever. That is something to hope in, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of trial, in the midst of being surrounded by moral corruption. We hope for the day that God returns as king, and we know he will do it because everything he has promised has come true, and we know that too will become a reality because of the cross. So let's go to the apply. Let me celebrate in God's promised kingdom. He has extended his kingdom to all who draw near. Let me draw near to the king and draw others near to that king too. Another application My hope is not in this world. You look around on the news, it's depressing, but my hope is not there. I look at my bank account, it's depressing. My hope is not there. I look at my technology and my cars, my hope is not there. I just had to fix it. My hope is in God. Let me put my hope where it will never fail. I will let my hope be in God and in his kingdom so that in the midst of difficulty and affliction, I know that my hope will not go unanswered. I will walk in the way of the Lord even when no others follow. And that's the thing Micah is telling this promise to those. He's hoping some will come back knowing that many of those who are hearing his words won't follow God. 
This won't turn their hearts. They'll still continue in their sinful ways. So even when no one is following God around me, let me follow God. And when no one is following God around you, follow God. Whether you have a crowd with you or not, follow God. Walk in his ways, for they are good. And we could go on, but we'll head to the response here and end in the response with a prayer. Father, you reign as king over this world. I long for the day when all the nations will bow before you. What a glorious day that will be. Jesus, let me pick up my cross and follow you. Help me to gather your people to you. Holy Spirit, guide my steps. Be my strength to lift my eyes to you in the midst of affliction. Though the world follows idols, let me follow you and you alone. Destroy the idols in my life. God, you reign as king now and forevermore. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me in Micah chapter 4, and I look forward to joining you in Micah chapter 5 next time. I'll see you there.